Welcome to the Optimal You podcast. This is pharmacist Steve Ersfeld. Grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode five of the Ersfeld Pharmacy Optimal You podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Steve Ersfeld. The goal of the podcast is to have a visit with providers in our area, and, and in this instance, uh, beyond, that provide services that might be helpful to you in your journey to becoming the Optimal You. Uh, today's guest is Dr. Forrest Lanchberry. Uh, before we start our visit with Dr. Lanchbury, I'd like our listeners to know that this podcast provides general information and a discussion about health and healthcare-related subjects. The information provided in this podcast is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice, nor is the information as a substitute for professional medical expertise or treatment. Oh, got that out of the way. Yeah. So a little background on our guest, Dr. Forrest Lanchbury. Um, he's a medical doctor and a doctor of veterinary medicine. Um, it's Sedona Regenerative Medicine. He dedicates himself to using whole person approaches to provide exceptional long-lasting treatments for conditions such as obesity, allergies, hormonal disorders, chronic pain, and autoimmune disorders. And that's, that's right off his website. So thank you, Dr. Lanchbury, for uh, joining us today. And I know that's just kind of a tiny bit of uh, insight into what your practice is about. So I'd like you to kind of share your healthcare journey with our listeners and kind of ramble a little bit about you and, and your practice. Yeah. All right, Steve. Thank you. Uh, well, um, as Steve said, I, um, I uh, started out uh, in veterinary medicine and uh, then I, I went on into uh, human medicine after serving in the military as a veterinarian for about uh, three years in um, special forces where I trained special forces medics. And so then I ended up uh, going to the universe, um, to the, uh, what they call, you would call the USIS or some people, it's Uniform Services University of Health Sciences, which is a Department of Defense Medical School. And uh, that's where I uh, did my uh, human medical training. And so I spent some time in the military after that. I did some training in uh, surgery, uh, ended up doing an internship in general surgery. And then um, as I went along, I, I was pretty much, you know, oriented towards allopathic medicine uh, just because that's what my training was. But I think being a veterinarian helped me a little bit to see more of the nutritional end of things. Um, and how important that was because um, we all know how important that is in animals. And, um, you know, it helped me gain more insight as a human doctor, as an MD, in the importance of nutrition. And so uh, there was always that kind of um, pull into more of that area. And so, you know, at one point I, I really got involved in treating obesity in my practice in Montana. And uh, that actually led me even further into, you know, looking at more nutritional um, treatment, you know, of uh, <clears throat> disease and illness um, using nutrition as opposed to medications. And so when I, mo I moved to North Dakota, to Bowman, North Dakota, and uh, became the uh, medical director of the hospital down there, um, 
I uh, ended up meeting Steve at that time, and Steve actually was really instrumental in helping me uh, get um, started more on a path to uh, uh, in regards to functional medicine, because uh, he actually um, was uh, approached me about hormone treatment using bioidentical hormones, and uh, you know I found that pretty interesting, and I uh, ended up like. Uh, sponsored me to go to a, a conference, I think, in, in Denver, I think. I went there with uh, uh, another pharmacist, and um, and that was pretty good. That really, actually, that was a really good uh, a good experience for me, and so that really got me um, getting more into that area, and I ended up actually going on and doing a, uh, a uh, training, you know, and became board certified in uh, anti-aging, regenerative, <clears throat> and functional medicine. And so uh, that happened back in the uh, mid, well, it was around 2010, I think, uh, when I completed, or 2012 or so, I completed that program a little before that. And so then I ended up um, really, you know, orienting my practice more towards functional medicine all along. And uh, then, um, you know, at the same time, I was having to do practice allopathic medicine because I was in a hospital. So... I didn't have the choices always to, to practice functional medicine uh, just because of the system, you know. So, so, you know, that was one of the reasons I came to Arizona was so I could set up my own practice here uh, but um, and practice more functional medicine uh, and this, do the stuff I wanted to do. But um, I did end up seeing, uh, I, and sure, surely some of the people listening to this are probably my patients were former patients anyway, because uh, I ended up seeing a lot of patients up in that area for functional medicine. And actually Steve was a, a main referral source for me and we worked together a lot and we still work together a lot um, with uh, patients. So, so that has been a real, a real benefit to me uh, in my practice, um, having uh, access to, uh, to Steve's uh, compounding uh, expertise and uh, functional uh, pharmacy type approach, I guess. You know, you mentioned a couple things which I, I'd like to elaborate on. Um, the, the whole veterinary side of things, I, I still, you know, we're in ranch country. So we yeah. get ranchers that come in and, you know, we'll recommend colostrum and, and they're mm. like, well, we've been using that for many, many years yeah. on, our, on our cattle and we save that and that. And, you know, we talk about probiotics and it seems mm -hmm. like Veterinary medicine was way further ahead than the human side yeah. of things when we look at, at some of those uh, gut health issues. So I found that yeah. pretty interesting. So um, yeah. you mentioned A4M. Um, you mm -hmm. know, we, we, I, I think this collaboration between yourself and your clinic and, and my, myself and my staff here, um, mm -hmm. you, you kind of uh, encouraged Chanel and I to get involved with A4M. And we've mm -hmm. been through the modules and, and gotten yeah. certified with them as well. So um, that's been a real eye-opener for us. So, yeah, we've been working. I don't know if you've been on. We've been working together since 2006. So yeah. 16 yeah. years we've been. Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. That's when I first went to uh, Bowman, yeah. Yeah, and, and stuff back and forth. I, I'll never forget having dinner or lunch in uh in the clinic down there, Maureen and I and you, and it must have been Chrissy or one of your other nurses. Yeah. Um, just kind of just chatting and kind of learning about each other. So 
been a great yeah. relationship. So we appreciate you. Yeah. Great. So today we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, brain health and mm -hmm. what, what you're doing for your patients and how you're treating those those individuals. So what what type of patients are you seeing with brain related issues um, currently? Um, yeah, no, most um, you know mostly I'm seeing some patients. It seems to be COVID related for sure. Um, you know, just as of late, you know, we're seeing um, patients that have either had COVID or have had the vaccine and have experienced uh, problems with memory. Um, I've had some patients that were uh, stroke patients. That's probably one of the one of the more common ones is post-stroke. And uh, so I see um, quite a bit of, you know, mental health problems in these patients uh, related to anxiety but also um, just general memory problems and uh, concentration problems and those kind of issues. Um, you know, there is um, some patients I see with Alzheimer's, but most of the time, um, you know, unfortunately, most of the time you're not really seeing Alzheimer's patients early on uh, because they don't really, I think part of it is they don't really know that they can do some things to help their brain, um, you know, as opposed to just waiting until somebody puts them on a medication. And so, um, so that's kind of what my goal is, or it definitely is my goal is to try to see patients with brain related problems um, early on, you know, and, um, and I guess in a way COVID has kind of brought that more to the forefront where you're seeing um, patients earlier, you know, uh, for brain related issues, and, um, and have some opportunity to intervene. Mm -hmm. You know, when you talk COVID long haulers, what, what, uh, what do you think the, what do you, what's going on as far as um, why, why are people having so much brain fog and, and just memory loss and things like that with COVID? What, what do you think the rationale mm -hmm. on that is? Well, I think that, you know, there, I've seen some studies that showed that they didn't really isolate the virus actually, or the, the spike protein in the actual brain tissue. I mean, like in the, in the gray matter or white matter or whatever. So, but where they're seeing the viruses in the peri, perivascular tissue, in the perivascular brain tissue. So, so in all those blood vessels that are surrounding and are feeding the brain, um, you have a virus. And uh, that virus um, causes um, an inflammatory reaction. So that inflammatory reaction then um, progresses into the brain itself, uh, leading to uh, you know, increased immune cells, what we call microglia, uh, which are macrophages in the brain. Uh, you'll see a large amount of those and uh, responding to, uh, to the uh, viral infection or the spike protein or whatever's there, you know, it may just be the spike protein in some cases. So when, when you're dealing with these patients or just patients in general, um, how do you, how do you come up with, how do you, how do you know they're having brain issues? How do we know that um, somebody's just not, not uh, hmm. ticking at a hundred percent up there? Yeah. Well, sometimes it's obvious, you know, and sometimes it's more subtle. I mean, I have had patients that, you know, had the vaccine, 
that experienced uh, really severe um, memory loss immediately afterwards um, with hallucinations and such. Um, and so those patients are, it's pretty obvious. Uh, with some of the other patients, it's more like what they describe as kind of a brain fog. You'll hear people talk about, I feel like I'm in a fog all the time. And basically, um, that's just, um, you know, it tends to be more difficulty with um, complex tasks, you know, not being able to do some of the tasks that they uh, were used to doing. They may have trouble concentrating while they're reading, um, you know, or, or reading comprehension will decrease. Uh, they may have trouble with just basic attention, uh, you know, paying attention and concentrating uh, and remembering what somebody told them because they can't focus. And so, uh, so those are some of the things that, that you'll hear. And, and, and sometimes it may be manifest like really, like I said more, I've had patients with, um, that actually were exposed um, or had COVID that actually, and actually had stroke-like symptoms, you know? And so these patients will have clots or patients that were vaccinated or patients that were exposed to people that had COVID or were vaccinated uh, I do have some reports on that too, where patients have uh, had stroke symptoms or have lost um, vision and stuff like that. So those, some of them, uh, and then that usually leads to deafness. When you see that kind of thing, you're gonna get, a lot of times you see a more broad kind of effect on the brain too. You know, when somebody has a, a local stroke, it doesn't mean that, or a focal stroke, it doesn't mean that that's the only part of the nervous system that's affected, you know, because um, it actually affects the whole brain when that happens a lot of times. Sure. Mm -hmm. Are there are there any um, specific tests that you can do or, or ways to diagnose? Yeah. Um, well, when I look at long haulers, you know, uh, one of the things that I like to check a lot of times, and I don't know that a lot of people do this, but I do a D-dimer level. And uh, I do see elevations in D-dimer a lot. And uh, also um, one of the other um, tests is fibrinogen, which is an indicator of clotting, you know, a coagulation. And fibrinogen levels uh, will often be uh, in the upper level or, you know, above the lab normal. You know, I'll see them close to 400 a lot of times or they'll be over 400. And, uh, you know, to me, that's pretty high. And so, um, so that's, that's some blood testing that you can do. Um, you can do, you know, just other things like looking at inflammation, like, um, C-reactive protein can be elevated. Um, sometimes sed rates will be elevated. Um, just anything to indicate inflammation. There are some other vascular tests, um, that I'm suspicious of. I don't have a lot of data on, but I think that I'd like to see more tests with like this plaque. It's PLAC. It's actually a blood test that detects the propensity to form plaque or, you know, in the blood vessels. And uh, I suspect that that's elevated um, with COVID and, um, and with COVID long haulers, but I haven't had a lot of testing with that. And of course, there's always imaging studies, but they're not very, um, there's not a very high yield like with MRIs and stuff, you know, generally showing you uh, that much. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So do you, do you ever do, um, do you ever do like Cyrex Labs, uh, leaky or hyperpermeability, leaky brain test? Uh, do you ever do that one? Uh, I have done some tests like with Vibrant, some similar testing like with, the, um, but I haven't done a lot of it with the COVID patients, but with other patients that have uh, mental or brain issues, you know, we'll look at some of those things, uh, looking at infections, like herpes, uh, different types of herpes viruses uh, can be helpful. There's some bacteria, um, you know, like that are in the mouth that can um, lead to problems with brain inflammation sure. and uh, that type of thing. But yeah, that, that can be um, something that um, can be helpful in identifying some of the other issues. I, I would like, um, so I don't know, I, I think I've seen where some companies are doing like IL-6 and uh -huh. six and things like that to, to yeah. get deeper on some of those inflammatory markers. Or is that something you ever do on any of your patients? Or um, I haven't done much with that. Um, I know there, that is going on. It's something you could follow, you know, to see if they're getting better. Um, most of the time, I have seen elevations in CRP quite a bit. Uh, or at least, uh, especially like if not CRP, high sensitivity CRP will be high. And, uh, you know, following that can be, can be helpful. Uh, certainly some of those interleukin tests could be, could be good. I know there's some more advanced testing looking at different cell types and, you know, CD4 counts and things like that too. Sure. Mm -hmm. So, so we get, we get a kind of a general understanding the patient got a brain issue. Um, you know, we, we look at treatment options. And so I think, I think you can really break those down into three separate areas. One that would be um, really dietary supplements, things that you could do there, um, uh, prescription medications, and then a lot of the things that you do in your clinic that are a little bit different and more outside the box than, than those two things. Can you, can you walk through some of the treatments that you would consider for those patients and how you would utilize right. those? Yeah, I think that, you know, number one, it's like always looking at that brain gut connection, you know, so um, you want to um, definitely not miss stuff as far as you know, what the patient's diet is, you know, and, and whether or not there's some testing that needs to be done to look at the gut, you know, if they have, um, you know, some kind of bacterial imbalance, what we call dysbiosis, uh, that type of thing uh, is definitely a big issue. We know that with Parkinson's patients that they almost always have dysbiosis and they have uh, some abnormalities in their gut flora and leaky gut and leaky brain both you know and so so the gut is a big issue uh as far as um you know the you know what i try to kind of look at every patient from a functional medicine approach so i want to look at the gut i want to look at hormones you know because sometimes um hormones can be a big contributor to uh brain issues especially in postmenopausal women and, and um, men, you know, that are uh, andropause uh, that have uh, low testosterone. So that's another area to look at. And, and of course, looking at your um, insulin resistance, if there's problems with blood sugar management, because 
we know that a lot of times in the brain, one of the big problems we have is not being able to uh, metabolize glucose properly. And so that, um, you know, if you're, you can have, if you have insulin resistance systemically, you probably have it in the brain too. So, um, you know, and Alzheimer's is sometimes referred to as type three diabetes because of the insulin resistance. Yeah, so, so that, that's important. And then of course, um, from the functional medicine perspective, not to miss, um, you know, detoxification and uh, looking at um, the liver and, you know, all the detox organs and how well they're working and what you can do to improve that. So, so the dietary, you know, the approach to it can be, I mean, I have certain things that I use with a lot of patients and certainly use it with patients with dementia. Uh, and usually, like you mentioned, colostrum, you know, about uh, earlier on, that that can be um, helpful with the gut, number one, because it provides antibodies, you know, that can help fight infection, but it also um, helps with leaky gut because we know that uh, you get leaky gut um, actually at, you know, you have leaky gut when you're born. So when a baby's born, they have leaky gut and that's normal because they're swallowing the amniotic fluid that has the antibodies in it that pass through the, the gut. And so the colostrum is important for that baby to get because it shuts down that leaky gut. And so it can work the same way with us. And so, um, so that's important to look at, um, you know, doing that, treating the leaky gut, leaky brain thing, colostrum is, is an option there, probiotics, um, you know, looking at things like L-glutamine sometimes, um, which has been used um, with Parkinson's patients quite a bit. Sometimes you'll, uh, there's some studies on that leading to improvement. Uh, so, so you don't wanna, you know, I don't wanna miss that. So I always look at that really closely uh, with the gut brain. Now, as far as getting into, um, there is some, you know, things called, there's, they're called peptides and there's peptides in colostrum, okay? So colostrum has uh, several peptides. One is these proline rich peptides and the proline rich peptides actually penetrate the blood brain barrier and they can be helpful with, uh, with memory and concentration. And uh, in fact, I usually do those every day because they're fairly inexpensive. Um, you can do it as an oral spray that you take maybe a couple times a day uh, of these peptides extracted from colostrum. So then there's other peptides, you know, you can do that are a little more, um, I guess, uh, well, some peptides you can take orally and, but not, you know, there's some that you have to inject. So there's some injectable ones that I'll use sometimes. And um, that can be helpful like C-Max, um, which is helpful for uh, memory sum and anxiety, agitation, that type of thing. Uh, there's a couple other ones. So sometimes I'll get into the peptides a little bit and help people that way. Um, the other thing that's kind of, you know, probably not available everything everywhere is doing um, uh, intravenous uh, NAD or it's uh, nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide, but NAD, uh, I know you're familiar, well familiar with that because you have a spray that we use sometimes yep. and, uh, and you can also do it orally. 
so sometimes I'll do, you know, a combination. I'll, I'll put people on a spray or sometimes there's patches we use. Uh, but a lot of times, uh, if you really want to get the levels up, we do it IV. So we do intravenous NAD, and that can really help the brain um, increase the energy utilization in the brain and help um, actually um, increase um, or help neurotransmitter balance. You know, it'll help get the new neurotransmitters back in balance, which can help memory and a, whole, a lot of other things. Sure. Yeah. So, so that, and then um, one of the things that I've started doing a lot is um, these lasers, um, low level laser treatment. So that's um, called photobiomodulation. And so with that, what you're doing is you're providing light. Okay. So it's, it's, it's light that provides the, energy uh, to the uh, cells. So the way that happens is that certain wavelengths of light, like for instance, the 685 or yeah, 685 nanometers uh, wavelength, any, anywhere like in that, um, you know, 600 range, that range is red. Okay. It's a red light. It's, and it's, it's called a laser light. And that light, at, it's a low level because it doesn't cause tissue damage. It's really hard to get tissue damage with that because it doesn't heat the tissue up. It, you know, it's like the, the point of getting tissue damage has to exceed one joule per centimeter squared. And uh, this, um, you know, you won't get that at all unless maybe for if you did it for hours and hours in one area, you might exceed that. But but uh, so so you're not going to get damage to the tissue with this. But what it does is that it can actually penetrate the skull or it can penetrate wherever you put it, you know, and it, it actually um, activates the uh, electron transport. So if you look at electron transport, cellular respiration, there are several enzymes in that pathway. They're called cytochrome oxidase enzymes. Okay, so these cytochrome oxidase enzymes or complexes uh, are where the electrons are shuttled through to eventually reach ATP. So that where I'm getting at is that light, the red light stimulates cytochrome C oxidase, cytochrome C, which actually increases the um, shuttling of the electrons. So more rapid shuttling of the electrons. And then that makes more ATP. So then you energize your tissue. So that's how you heal is energizing the tissue. So you can use that on the brain to help the brain heal, to help the brain repair. And so, yeah. So are you using the laser right onto the head? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I have actually uh, the machine. The one that I have is Arconia. It's like the most advanced laser available now. And it has three heads on it. So there's, and there's diodes in each one. And now the other thing that you do with that, it's, it's that you set frequencies. Okay. So the brain has frequencies, your heart has frequencies, your liver has frequencies. So we know what those frequencies are. Like the heart is, is one. So and it's mostly a frequency of one. So one cycle per second. So the brain, um, there, there's different ones that you can use depending on what you're doing, but for the most part, it's, a, it's 1, 10, 40, and 60. So when you set these frequencies, you put them in the laser on the different heads. 
And so when it administers the light, it does it at that frequency. And so the brain, um, you know, likes that. And so then that helps it work. So you're, you're bathing the brain with energy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're doing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're doing a similar thing. Okay. So that's why it works well with a lot of other treatments too, like nutritional support supplements, like yeah. say magnesium. Okay. Cause magnesium in the brain, you know, is um, really healing, you know, it, it's a, a vasodilator and it increases uh, blood supply and uh, helps um, regulate the pressure in the brain. And so, and magnesium, as we know, is very important in mitochondrial energy generation. So, yeah. So are you, a, are you a big fan of uh, three and eight magnesium, three and eight? Yes. Yeah. That's the one stuff? I use. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Because it crosses a blood brain barrier much better. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, that and, you know, NAD, like we mentioned, you know, NAD, I mean, that's what, what it does is it acts on the mitochondria on the electron transport. It just acts at the front of that, you know, in the, where you get the hydrogen uh, proton that's donated. And so that, you know, along with the laser can, you know, be a pretty much a synergistic or even potentiate, you know, the, the treatment. Mm -hmm. So you, you talked, you know, all this stuff, pretty much a lot of it, Mm -hmm. uh, revolves around inflammation and yeah. um, mm -hmm. you you mentioned um, a term that might be familiar um, to some I think a microglia or my, microglia yes so um, one of the treatments that that I know you recommend a lot is the use of um, low-dose naltrexone to yeah. mm -hmm. help patients differently how do you how do you incorporate that into this whole process you know, most of the time, like um, I really, in every patient I see um, recently, I'd say over the last couple of months, I mean, I've used low dose naltrexone probably for, um, I don't know, I would say, I don't know how long I've, I've mostly prescribed through you when I was using it. So it's probably been at least seven years, maybe that I've used it. And, um, you know, I didn't really, I, I only had certain patients I would think about using it in but now you know it has such a broad range of benefit so low dose naltrexone um, I think with any patient that has um, especially COVID long haulers because of the immune system involvement uh, and uh, the the dysregulation in the immune system uh, that uh, low dose naltrexone can definitely be helpful and, uh, and we have studies in a lot of brain tissue issues like Parkinson's, we have studies with LDN, you know, and showing that it, it helps in uh, those patients. Yeah, you know, when you start looking at the research and even like fibromyalgia and, and the mm -hmm. uh, ramifications it has with micro, microglia and uh, developing brain inflammation and things like that, it's just amazing when you start to put those pieces together, how it's like... Yeah. Well, yeah. We have more and more tools that, that we didn't even really understand that we had for, for a long time. Mm -hmm. So you know, we've been compounding it for about a dozen years. And I don't mm -hmm. think it's probably been until the last six or seven that we really knew what we, what we had as far as a drug, but that's yeah. a lag in the research as well. So. Right. Right. Yeah. It's one of those um, medications that definitely has um, 
a lot of uh, use, you know, and, and it's safe too, you know, and there's not very many like it. Yeah. So, so this, so we kind of, kind of hit kind of all, all aspects of um, brain health, you know, how to, how to see when, when patients are, are having brain issues, uh, kind of the testing, how you're going to treat them over the course of the, um, mm -hmm. of their lifespan. So I want to ask you kind of a, a off the wall question. So I know, I know you just got a hyperbaric chamber. Yeah. And I, I know you like, uh, you like to have tools and I think yeah. we like to have tools in our practice. So if you had unlimited resources, if let's mm. say you won the lottery this next year and you could spend as much money on a, an, on a device that you would love to have, but you just can't have because it's cost prohibitive, what would you have in your practice? Um, you know, I think that, um, there would be, you know, some things that I would definitely like to have. I think I would, you know, things that would help me uh, at this point in my practice that would help me the most would be some uh, diagnostic stuff, you know, like a, like a spec scan. I mean, yeah. or, you know, which costs, you know, a million dollars or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, you know, even, even having other things that measure brain, you know, waves, EEGs and stuff like that. But um, uh, I think that, you know, right now, you know, for me, that would be a really, uh, and there's a lot of other things like in the area of light treatments and stuff too, that are coming out that I think that are going to be you know, really expensive. We, we don't have them uh, available right now, but, you know, this whole, this whole light therapy thing, I think is, is uh, the way of the future, you know? Yeah. yeah. Light and energy medicine. That's what everybody's yeah. practicing at some point. So, yeah. So what, um, what else is going on at Sedona Regenerative Medicine? What, yeah. what kind of fun things are you guys doing for your yeah. patients? Well, we, you know, we did recently get a, um, what they call an M-sculpt, which is a PMEF, which is a, a form of, a, also a form of energy, actually, you know, using magnet, uh, magnetic fields. And so we have the M-sculpt, which uh, will actually give you a six pack and six treatments, you know, so, <laughs> so that's kind of a fun thing, but that thing will actually, you know, from the functional medicine standpoint, I think it could be really helpful with um, things like back pain, uh, you know, uh, bone loss, you know, because strengthening the muscles and everything can be so important with that. And you can pretty much strengthen any muscle with it, you know. And so, and it's not um, invasive, you know, it's all from the outside. Everything's administered from outside. And so there's, you know, aesthetic uses are like doing the, you know, the uh, buttock lift type thing or the Brazilian uh, buttock lift um, and that type of thing. Um, but yeah, that one I think um, has a lot of potential. I'm excited to, to use that with some of the patients. And okay. cool. see what we can do. Yeah. So, so we have, um, you know, a, a bunch of our listeners that, that as you had said, have probably been your patients previously mm. or still your patients. So how do, how do people get a hold of you to, um, if they want to schedule an appointment, you do virtual consults, I'm assuming, correct? Yes. Yeah, I do. I do a lot of those. Um, 
during COVID, it was, you know, one of the main things we did because, uh, you know, because of the nature of that. But uh, so that my virtual consult or telemedicine consult, um, telemedicine practice has expanded quite a bit so that people can do uh, telemedicine with me. And, you know, we can do, you know, uh, quite a bit that way um, and certainly um, manage, um, you know, different, you know, almost anything. And we can, if we need to have hands-on done for some reason, we can usually get that done uh, up there. So, um, and I can certainly work with you, you know, because I have that opportunity to work with you through the compounding pharmacy. It makes the telemedicine a lot more uh, doable, you know, a lot more efficient and everything. And so, so anybody that wants to see me that way can certainly um, uh, make an appointment you know, uh, through the website, that's one of the easiest ways to do it because that'll go right to our uh, staff email and then we uh, make appointments that way. You can also reach me uh, by phone, which is 928-282-2520. Uh, um, and you can also um, uh, schedule appointments directly by email too, but I would recommend just going to the website because the email is on there and the phone numbers are. Sure. Can, I follow, can I follow you on any social media platforms? Yeah, right now, um, you know, I do have my page on Facebook. It's um, Sedona, uh, Sedona, let's see, let me think about what that is. It's Sedona Regenerative Med. So Sedona Regenerative Med on Facebook. So if you just look up Sedona Regenerative Med, you should okay. find me there. And I do, I do post quite a bit there. And then on Telegram, um, I have a couple of uh, places. Uh, one is more um, politically oriented, I guess. So, but the other one is, um, is, um, is, a, is a vaccine site. Okay, so I post quite a bit of stuff in there. And it's called, um, let me just get that, see what that is. It's um, COVID injection disaster. So it's called COVID injection disaster. So I try to publish fairly contemporary stuff there on, um, on the vaccine. But most of the other stuff in general, I mean, there's some stuff on COVID related stuff on Sedona Regenerative Med. But mostly I just, you know, like I did publish some stuff on the hyperbaric chamber and on the lasers there and, um, you know, what we use those for and, and that type of thing. And people can um, uh, schedule appointments there, too, or they can um, actually message us from there. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's great. Right. Yeah. So for our listeners who've made it this far. Uh, we always like to reward them if they listen to the whole darn thing. So um, if you call the pharmacy or stop in the pharmacy and you mention Dr. Lanchbury podcast, you can take 25% off uh, one nutritional supplement of your choice. So um, please take advantage of that if you would. And uh, Dr. Lanchbury, this has just been a, a joy and a pleasure to visit with you today. Yeah. Thanks for That's sharing great. your practice with us and for allowing us to partner with you and help you and your patients. So it's, it's always a pleasure to work with you. So. Yeah. I appreciate that, Steve. Thanks so much for having me on. And I appreciate all you do up there. Thank you. Take, you care. Take right. care, Steve.
As always, be vigilant about your health.